Well, let's move on to our favorite segment on the show, or at least top uh, favorite segment. It's Fastest Fight News. We deliver the news to you in under 15 minutes or less, or your podcast is free, and there's so much to talk about this week in Fastest Fight News, and I think we have to start with this weekend's events. Rose Namajunas loses her strawweight title. She got dropped on her noggin. Jessica Andrade, your new strawweight champion. What do you think of the performance, and where do you go from here with Andrade? Um, so I, I think the performance was uh, kind of unfortunate because you know you get a champion in Andrade who you feel like is not the better of the two fighters, and and I know that that seems like a, a cop out, but let's face it. In the eight minutes that we saw of fighting, Andrade won about four milliseconds of it, right? The the four milliseconds where she dropped Rose on her noggin. And, and before that, Rose was in complete control. Rose looked as good as she ever has. That being said, I, I don't think we wind up with a rematch here for Rose because it looks like she's not into it. She's going to need some time to recover. You know, she's not even sure she wants to fight again. But I think that that makes perfect sense to uh, to see the winner of Nina Ansaroff versus Tatiana Suarez uh, sometime towards the end of the year, sometimes in the middle of the year. Um, and I think Tatiana Suarez takes that fight. I would love to see Tatiana Suarez uh, fight for the title. I think that that's a fun fight between the two of them because you get to see Andrade's power versus Suarez's wrestling and see where that goes. Um, so I, I think that that's what we're going to see for uh, for the strawweight title next. Well, breaking MMA news as we tape this, uh, at least according to Twitter, and I will have the intern get on some sources for this, um, but it looks like Joanna is going to get the rematch. No! Oh, man, that is unfortunate. That is pretty much the last thing I wanted. Um, no offense to, to Joanna on Jacek, but that just does not seem like a fight that makes a lot of sense. She's coming off a... Is she coming off a three out of four losses at this point, right? She lost to Rose Rose. Twice to Rose. Beat Tisha Torres and then lost to to Shevchenko. So she's one in three in her last four, and we're just going to plug her right in. She's getting the old Holly Holm treatment. <laughs> I'm trying to have the intern substantiate this right now, but that all being said, I like your idea better. I agree with you. I don't know that it's necessarily Joanna's fight. We'll move on to cheerier news, which is that there are a ton of fun fight announcements, uh, starting with probably the one I'm most excited about, Cowboy versus Tony Ferguson at UFC 239. Yeah, I love this fight, and I love this fight for so many reasons. One is it's going to get to show us whether or not Dad Cerrone is the real deal, and, and the win over Ally Aquinta made it look like he's the real deal at 45 or uh, 55 again, rather. And I think that this is leaning towards getting to see a Cowboy Cerrone title shot again. And if not, we're getting to get to, get to see that, that Habib-Tony Ferg matchup that we've always been waiting for. Um, granted, whether or not Habib gets past Dustin Poirier. But I think this is a logical number one contenders fight. It, it makes a ton of sense. It's really a really fun fight to watch. Um, so I, I think it makes all the sense in the world. I'm a, I'm a little concerned about how quick this is as a comeback for Donald Cerrone, who just went 25 minutes with Ally Aquinta, though. Yeah, it's kind of in Cerrone's DNA, though. Yeah, I don't that's true. Necessarily, I mean, I don't worry about it so much with him, but maybe it does add up eventually. Where do you think Connor fits into the whole picture? Uh, in your ideal scenario, let's just say Tony Ferguson wins and fights the winner of Habib and Poirier, spoiler alert, Habib, we finally get Tony versus Habib, maybe sometimes towards the end of the year or early in 2020. Does 
Connor ever fight again? Is he fighting maybe Cerrone off a loss? What What do you make of Connor's absence from these top two fights at 155? I, I think this is the UFC kind of showing Connor that they don't need him in the ESPN era. We talked about how ESPN is giving them enough money where they don't have to worry about having the big draws anymore because they're they're profitable regardless. So I think this is the UFC showing them that they don't need him. And if he does want to come back and fight, I still think that fight with Gaethje is right there, too, and it's really exciting. So um, it's not like he's completely left out, but I do think this is the UFC showing him that that he's maybe not necessary. Uh, Speaking of fun fights, 145, one division down, we have Max taking on uh, Frankie Edgar, the former 155-pound champion at UFC 240. Yeah, I, I at first had a very visceral negative reaction to this fight. And, and it's not because I don't love Frankie Edgar. It's because I do love Alexander Volkanovsky. And I thought Volkanovsky, in the way that he handled Jose Aldo, earned himself this title shot. But that being said, you know, the, the news has come out since then that he's had a blood infection that he's been dealing with. He's been hospitalized. It's going to take him a while to come back. And it almost makes sense to get Max booked in there against Frankie and to have him fight the winner three or four months down the line. So it gives Volkanovski some time to recover, some time to get back in the gym. And, and I think now, knowing that, this is the only fight to make is, is Max versus Frankie. It's fun to watch. It's super exciting. Uh, and I, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's almost a tough fight to call. I mean, I, I don't know that Max has seen any fighter with the output that Frankie Edgar has and the wrestling skills. So, so I think that it's going to be a fun fight. You know, going back to your before point about maybe the UFC, I don't know if it's really sending a message. They might just not have had it lined up with Connor, but it certainly doesn't feel like they have to rely on Connor as much. You just saw that with the Brock Lesnar negotiations mm-hmm. falling out. He wanted guaranteed money, but they couldn't really do that, knowing the new pay-per-view model. Um, they certainly have more guaranteed revenue with the new TV deals, mm-hmm. so no, they don't need Connor as much. But when I saw the news of Frankie and uh, Max, I thought to myself, well, that's kind of bullshit because just like you said, is he necessarily the most deserving champion? Is it just because he's a name and they're going to try to, you know, pop a buy rate, which I'm sure they're still going to do. They're not shying away from popping buy rates. They're just not as dependent on it. But with the news of Volkanovski being sick, it's not as bad. I I think you nail it right on the head. Um, We'll keep on moving, though. Nate Diaz is going to fight Anthony Pettis at 170, 170 pounds at UFC 241. You know, it's funny. uh, Last week, I think, and maybe possibly the week before, me and you uh, talked a little bit, and we said, I don't, I literally don't give a single shit about either of the Diaz brothers fighting ever again. And when you texted me, and we talked about Pettis and Nate Diaz fighting, I literally started caring about a Diaz brother fighting immediately. Because this is perfect. This is literally the perfect matchup to get me excited about Nate Diaz fighting again. It's a guy that's not going to try to grapple him up. It's a guy who's going to throw down with him. It's a guy who has a chance to knock him out. And it gives me a reason to get excited about Anthony Pettis fighting at 170 pounds because that division is filled with wrestling killers and you found the one guy in there who probably can't wrestle him up. Yeah, it is very interesting because I don't necessarily love either man's future at 170, but oh, I love... it's terrible for both of them. At yeah, yeah right. it's a terrible matchup for all of them. You know, like, 
Ben Askren's a terrible matchup. Kamaru Usman's a terrible matchup. Tyrone Woodley's a terrible matchup. Colby Covington's a terrible matchup. Like, literally, the top of that division is just awful for those two, and yet, here they have found each other. You know, you mentioned Kamaru Usman. I've been thinking recently, I've always wanted GSP versus Habib. I really think that GSP would neutralize the wrestling, outbox them, and just strategically win that fight in a decision. Probably not going to get that. GSP has since retired, although I never say never. One matchup that's really come into focus for me, and I don't know that it would necessarily happen because I think they share the same manager, I would love, I repeat love, to see Usman versus Habib. Yeah, I, I don't know that necessarily that the, having the same manager, you're talking about Ali Abdelaziz, correct? Yes. Yeah, so yep. I don't think that will stop him because I'm pretty sure Ali uh, represents both Henry Cejudo and Marlon Marias, who are both headlining a pay-per-view next month. So uh, I don't think necessarily that would hold them back. You know, Ali does what's right for his fighters, and if that means having them fight each other for the title. I mean, he walks away with a champion at the end of it anyway. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think you you could possibly see that, but it would need to be a big money matchup for Usman. And I think the only way Usman makes that a big money matchup is he's got to go out and embarrass Colby Covington. That's a good point. Um, we're running out of time, but I have to mention, we cannot end this <laughs> fight news without mentioning that uh, Jake Hager, Jack Swagger of WWE fame, fought in Bellator, beat a jobber this past weekend with an arm triangle choke, held onto the choke too long, and then in his post-fight press conference, it's going to go down in the annals, the annals of MMA history as one of the best post-fight, uh, I, I, I'm mistaken, I wanted to say the best post-fight uh, in-ring interview, he told the world he had a boner. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to comment on this, to be honest with you. I, I'm at a loss of words. It's one of the most ridiculous post-fight interviews I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I feel like he's trying to turn heel in a way that like but but the funny thing is is like he he's doing this like WWE heel turn thing and it that's not how you sell at Bellator like or that's not how you sell in the UFC or that's not how you sell in MMA he like did it in the most awkward way possible and, and I sat there looking at the replay and being like I I don't even know how to feel about this <laughs> I appreciate his honesty you know what <laughs> If you have a boner, let the world know. <laughs> that being said, did you think he held on to the choke too long? Did you buy his excuse that he didn't know of a ref stopping him? No, nah, I don't buy that. I, I buy that like he was out to make a statement. And like I said, I think he was trying to make a heel turn. And if he had done that in the WWE, right, like if that was a scripted part of the WWE, holding on to the submission too long makes him look, you know, like extra marketable. And and maybe he thinks that that's true of MMA too, but it, it's not. It just makes you look like a fucking prick. Is it time for Bellator to give him someone real? I don't think so. I think he's 42, and I think any any heavyweight hired to, let, let's say, contender series level heavyweight, even the guys who lose on the contender series, let's take the guy who lost to Greg Hardy on the contender series, I think they slaughter Jack Swagger. 